Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin, where I started out looking at every Prime Minister in Canadian history, and we're right in the middle of every opposition leader who never became Prime Minister, but we took a break from that, because an election was called. So right now I'm doing 36 election episodes in a row, to coincide with our 36 day election period. If you want to support the podcast, you can, for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. Canadian History X, which releases every Wednesday and Saturday. Canada's Great War, which releases every single Sunday. And Coast to Coast, which releases every single Thursday. I do all of these full-time. The writing, the research, everything. I do it every day, all day. And it's a lot of work. So, any dollars you give help keep it all going, and I'll make sure to thank you on the air and throughout my social media. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. From 1935 to 1940, Canada went through a monumental change. The Great Depression gradually ended, and in its place, the deadliest war in world history would begin. By the time the 1940 election came along, the political landscape of Canada had changed as well. William Lyon Mackenzie King was still leader of the Liberal Party, a position he had held since 1919, a year after the previous war had ended, but the Conservatives were now dealing with a rotating door of leaders. This time, the party was led by Robert Manion, while two parties, the Cooperative Commonwealth and the New Democracy Party, hoped to pick up new seats in the election. King, overall, at first, had little regard for Manion, initially writing in his diary, quote, Manion is making a buffoon of himself. His performance at the Walker Theatre on Saturday night was that of a jackass. The Tory party was disgusted with him and are almost in despair. With Canada dealing with the Second World War, there was a hope among some parties that a unified government would be created, as was seen in the First World War. But this time, it would not be the case. Robert Manion had put forward the idea of a national government, and it would be the Conservative platform to have this unified party. But, giving the party a new name not only alienated it in Quebec, but King thought it was a terrible idea, and he would write in his diary, quote, I can only conclude that Dr. Manion sees no possibility whatever of the election of a Conservative government, end quote. In launching his campaign on February 9, 1940, Manion would charge that King had imitated Hitler by suddenly dissolving Parliament, while also stating that he was in favour of conscription and a railway merger. He also criticised King for not allowing Britain to open its own air training schools in Canada in 1938, because instead King had offered to train British pilots in Canadian air bases. Manion would state in his opening statement, quote, I accuse Mr. King of having repudiated his public pledges of a lifetime when he gagged Parliament on January 25th. By this act, he imitated Hitler in the latter's treatment of the German parliament. I am almost compelled to believe that he must have imbibed some of the spirit of Hitler when he made that well-publicized visit to the Fuhrer in Berlin a couple years ago. End quote. The Liberal Party would release a pamphlet in Saskatchewan to question why the party was going by a different name. They would state, quote, Dr. Manion has thrown the historic Conservative Party overboard, has appointed himself leader of the mythical national government movement, is he secretly acting for railway amalgamationists or vested interests intent on reviving the old Bennett policy of national self-sufficiency? There must be someone behind his costly coast-to-coast campaign for so-called national government. But who? End quote. 
King could have waited another year to call an election since he did have a majority. But with Mitchell Hepburn, the Liberal leader in Ontario, and George Drew, the Conservative leader in the province, condemning Ottawa's war effort, King decided to initiate an election campaign before the spring offensive in Europe, which may have hurt his chances at another majority. A major issue of the campaign was talk of conscription, something Quebec was very against, just as the province had been 25 years previous. The Liberals, knowing that any re-election hopes were tied directly to Quebec, promised not to initiate conscription. King also knew that Manian supported conscription, so taking an opposite stance would ensure the Liberals would once again take the vast majority of seats in Quebec. Radio was also now the primary way of spreading a message for a party, and King would rely heavily on the radio, as he was in Ottawa leading the wartime government and could not travel extensively through the country as he did before. He would make only one short trip to Winnipeg, then Prince Albert, which he represented, then Saskatoon, and there would be one final rally in Toronto. Instead of taking these trips, he would spend his time focusing on his radio speeches to a fine detail. For his opening radio address on February 7th, there were seven revisions to the speech over five days, with all but one being written by King himself. King would state in that address, quote, The decision is yours. It is not your representatives in Parliament who are now being asked to decide on the present and future of this country at a time of war. It is you, yourselves, who are not only the masters of Parliament, but, as never before, the masters of your own fate. End quote. The election campaign would be put on hold briefly in mid-February when Lord Tweedsmuir, Governor-General of Canada, passed away on February 11, 1940. He had suffered a head injury four days previous when he fell after suffering a stroke at Rideau Hall. And despite surgeries, his condition quickly worsened, and the party leaders all agreed to suspend their campaigns for several days. King would eulogize the Governor-General over the radio, stating, quote, in the passing of His Excellency, the people of Canada have lost one of its greatest and most revered of their Governors General, and a friend who, from the day of his arrival in this country, dedicated his life to their service. End quote. It would be a week before the campaigns got moving again. With patriotic spirit high in Canada, Manian, who was a decorated First World War veteran, attacked King for his lack of a war record. On March 23rd, he would state, quote, the soldiers have confidence in me, and I will get 95% of the votes of the soldiers of both this war and the last war. They know me. I was one of them, and I wasn't in the United States in the last war. End quote. Manian, of course, was referring to the fact that King was working for the Rockefeller Foundation in the United States during the First World War. One week before the election, a rather unique situation occurred. Archie Debeau, a conservative candidate for Hochelaga, was speaking to a crowd and getting quite animated when his movements caused loose and errant matches in his pocket to ignite, setting his pants on fire. After putting out the fire in his pants, he continued with his speech amid some laughter from the audience. In the election, 669 candidates would take to the field, the most ever, of which 239 were liberal candidates, while the National Government Party had 212. But things got off to a tragic start just prior to the election when Willie Poison, the Liberal candidate at Three Rivers, Quebec, died suddenly. The election would turn out to be the most successful in terms of percentage of seats for the Liberal Party in its history, even to this day. On the March 26, 1940 election, King and the Liberals took 179 seats, up six from the previous election. This represented 73% of the seats in the House of Commons, and it was the highest amount of seats won by a party in Canadian history to that time. Even today, 
Only the 1949, 1958, 1984, and 2015 elections had more seats won by the ruling party. The national government, or conservatives, did not lose any seats, finishing with 39 once again. The New Democracy Party, which ran with the Social Credit Party, lost seven seats to finish with ten, while the Cooperative Commonwealth picked up one more seat, finishing with eight. In almost every province, the Liberal Party defeated the Conservatives, even in Ontario. The Liberals won every seat in Alberta, Quebec, and Prince Edward Island. In Ontario, the party won 56 seats to the 22 won by the Conservatives. A major reason for this was that due to it being a time of war, many Canadians rallied around the current government, helping it cruise to such an overwhelming victory. The closest province was New Brunswick, in which the Liberals and the Conservatives both won five seats. Manian would lose his own seat in the election. Now it's been a while since I talked about the shady tactics done by parties looking to get elected. Things have definitely calmed down since the early wild days of the 19th century and early 20th century. But there was still a bit of it, at least in the West Ottawa riding. George Sloan, who was the campaign manager for national government candidate Dr. T.H. Leggett, stated that the West Ottawa Liberal Association distributed thousands of dummy ballots and wards in the area. The imitation ballots looked similar to the official ballots and featured only two names, Dr. Leggett and his Liberal opponent, George McKillwraith. And there was an X next to the name of McKillwraith. As for that conscription talk, the Liberals would face huge pressure from the military and English Canada to implement conscription. King would find a solution to the problem by having a referendum in 1942 on the question of conscription, thereby putting it into the hands of voters. Across Canada in that vote, 64.5% of voters were in favour of conscription, with 83% of English Canada in favour. In Quebec, voters were 73% opposed to it. On November 22, 1944, King would initiate conscription, but only 13,000 conscripted men left Canada, while only 2,463 reached the battlefield and only 69 died. The Liberals would also not suffer the damage in Quebec that the Conservatives dealt with in 1917. Overall, it was far less politically damaging, allowing the Liberals to continue to rule Canada until 1957. And one final note on this election. A man in Saskatchewan would finally be elected to the House of Commons after years of trying. John Diefenbaker. For the next 39 years, until the day he died, Diefenbaker would sit in Parliament, including as Prime Minister from 1957 to 1963. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at the 1940 election. Tomorrow, I'm looking at the 1945 election. As usual, if you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it a rating and review. And don't forget, on my website, I have transcripts of every single episode I have ever written and recorded, and you can listen to the episodes there and read the transcripts. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. Again, if you like, you can support the podcast through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. And I'd like to say thank you to all of my wonderful patrons. And if I mispronounce any names, I do apologize. Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, one anonymous person who I really appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, 
Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roa, Luke Guess, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, and Iris Gray. Information from Biography, Ottawa Journal, Dynasties and Interludes, Wikipedia, Ottawa Citizen, Calgary Herald, and the Vancouver Province. Thanks. We'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.